This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Coconut Island Plasters, the number one plaster for Coconut Island related injuries in Britain. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jeff. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Brandon. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Wow. So we've just gotten back from Costa Planca in the Are You Being Served universe. And changes are afoot, are they not? Changes are indeed afoot. <laughs> um, we unfortunately have to say goodbye to Mr. Granger, oh. uh, who has, according to the unofficial superfan Gregory Cannon, retired in Costa Planca. Uh, and we're going to get to meet Mr. Tubbs today. Yeah, and um, a shout out to the other Jeff who sent us um, an email or something. I don't remember. But he's, he corrected us that we've been pronouncing Mr. Author Bruff's name. Is it Bruff? Incorrectly. Okay. Thank you, superfan Jeff Y. I think you say it Bruff. But I, um, on the um, podcast that uh, we'll kind of mention later, um, they also refer to as Bruff. And he is from Scotland. So I think... Maybe that's, that's... They're probably to be trusted. Yeah. And, what, and what podcast is that, Mr. And Brandon? that is Podnose. So Podnose is a cool podcast. Um, they've been doing it for many years. It's two folks, two dudes, and uh, one... I think they're both British. One lives in Orange County, California, and the other one is in Scotland. So I think they're both at least Commonwealth members. I'm not sure. But uh, they're cool. They do some really cool like um, television, British television podcast episodes and they mentioned by being served and apparently they're listeners so you've all done very well hello thank you so much yeah, <laughs> yeah. you've all done very well fellow podcasters hello, hello. and you know who else has done well is tess and hunter and michael and dean for liking our page on facebook yeah and also twitter is sort of blowing up a little bit so hello all the twitter people yeah yeah so uh, if you want to get a shout out for doing very well, you know what you could do, listeners? You could <laughs> wear a mask and wash your hands. And please remember that Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Hooray. So um, what's going on in the world? We have um, a new episode, a new season. Paint the picture, Mr. Jeff. So tonight we are talking about Series 6, Episode 1, By Appointment. And this episode originally premiered on November 15th, 1978. And that week in the news... It was the first Take Back the Night March in the U.S., which happened in San Francisco. Okay. Uh, and this is a uh, annual event that is protesting against um, violence against women. Well, that's cool. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, not so cool was a fire at a Holiday Inn near Rochester in upstate New York that killed 10 people, which led to a lot of changes in fire codes, including sprinkler systems and firewalls. Oh, geez. Well. Yeah. It's easy to complain about, like, codes and stuff, but, you know, they're there for a reason. Yeah. So, sheesh. And the Times newspaper in the UK was suspended for over a year due to labor problems. Uh, and this is kind of timely because most of the country of India went on strike today. Uh, they had 250 million people, so that's about a quarter of their entire population, went on general strike to protest um, uh, treatment of the people by the government and they are very right-wing nationalist government. So, Are you talking about today today or like 1978 today? 
No, like today, like 2020. Oh, yeah. wow. Damn. I didn't know that. I need to get yeah. out of under this rock I'm living under. So that's crazy. So I also want to just touch on the movie. So the last episode we pushed out into the world was about the movie and people really like it. And a lot of folks didn't know there was a movie. Um, so it's, it's weird how season five ended. What was the episode that it ended on? Um, uh, uh, it pays to advertise. It pays to, oh yes, of course. How could I forget? Mrs. Um, Slocum in that dress. Um, and then the staff magically goes on holiday on holidays. Um, and then they are coming back from holidays on this episode in the new season and I don't know, like what, nine months have gone by since they filmed the last episode of season five or so? No, a lot more because oh. it was um, Arthur Bruff's passing away, right? Yeah. So the, the la- series five ended in April 77 and this premiered in November. So it was about a year and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, there we go. So paint the picture, Mr. Jeff. What happens in this episode? So before the store opens, we get a little bit of banter between Daphne the Cleaner and Mr. Armin uh, as he's assembling one of the new unisex center display models that has interchangeable breasts. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, he puts them on with two different sizes. Oh, I got me Raquel Welch mixed up with me Twiggy. Um, that's amazing. So it's just so stupid <laughs> that they have a mannequin that has interchangeable breasts. I mean, like picture a Mr. Potato Head. That's basically <laughs> what it's like. Right? So do people know who Raquel Welch and Twiggy are? Uh, well, Raquel Welch was a voluptuous, buxom uh, actress and Twiggy was not buxom model from the 60s. Yeah, like if you heard yeah, of like that sums it up. Carnaby Street and like the swinging mm-hmm. London, like Austin Powers era kind of thing, um, Twiggy was like the the poster child of that look. And she was rather not buxomy, which was kind of a look. And then anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But yeah. Yeah. So young Mr. Grace stops by the floor to welcome everybody back from their holidays, which may be the first bit of realistic continuity that we ever get if the movie is to be included in canon. (laughs) But we soon learn that Mr. Rumbold uh, took his vacation in the Coconut Island. So everyone went where went separate places for their holidays. Right. Uh, Thank you to Coconut Island Plasters for their sponsoring of the show. (laughs) Yep. Um, Captain Peacock arrives with a note from his doctor. He, um, he has a throat condition that he acquired during a yodeling holiday in Switzerland. Um, do you think he got gonorrhea in the throat? Is that <laughs> oh my God. No, no. <laughs> I, uh, I have to say, going back to Rumbled really quickly, I burst out laughing when he's like, I went to the coconut islands and then he takes off his bowler hat and then he has like... The, the two band-aids basically plasters is what they call them like right on the spot and it was just so cute and like innocent it's an innocent joke and it's sweet i liked it yeah yeah so uh captain peacock does not have the clap uh apparently he strained his voice or you know, caught a virus because he didn't wipe the end of the of the horn properly <laughs> and so they did some really really low-tech modulation in post-production on Peacock's voice. I was looking really um, closely to see if it was done with a vocoder microphone, hmm. uh, since the audience is laughing in real time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it, 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 that's probably how they did it, because uh, it wasn't a lip sync, because it was a very good match. Yep. 
you know, with what he was doing. So either the audience was cued to laugh at a funny voice or they actually had a vocoder microphone. Um, Siemens manufactured the first one in 1959. So it very well may be, you know, Cher did not invent this technology. <laughs> Do you believe in love? Um, that was Cher, thank you. Um, that, what? that was a really good Cher. <laughs> <laughs> so basically you're saying for that weird... Um, that weird effect on Peacock's voice. They had two microphones yeah. and they just switched from one to the other. Um, I, I never thought about how they, how they achieved that, but that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, so he's been prescribed some, um, uh, some nodule be gone throat spray for, which gives some temporary relief for his condition, but it has some weird side effects. So one of them is where he's got this, um, he, he his arms jerk out in movement, and that's called chorea, right? If mm. I, my first instinct was to call it a tick, but ticks are repetitive. Okay, uh, and so that comes from the Greek word for dance. And one thing that's been a popular saying in my family, which probably isn't politically correct anymore, is when you know a, a, a child is being very very hyperactive on sugar, and they're just kind of like moving all around. You know, they, my family members, you say, sit down. You look like you got St. Vitus's dance, what? Um, which, which is a disease that's the, the, it's now called Huntington's disease. So it's a neuro, a neurotypical, a neurological condition, whereas the medical term for that kind of jerking movement comes from the Greek word for dance. Huh. It was, if it was Latin, I would say, oh, some doctor probably just called it dance because it would be the word in Latin. But Greek isn't Latin, so interesting. Well, Hippocrates was a doctor. Um, I slept like that Hippocratic day. Oath. I slept that day in uh, history <laughs> class. Yeah. So when Captain Peacock is faking faking the sneeze, well, sorry, when Frank Thornton, the actor, yeah. is faking the sneeze, instead of saying "achoo." He goes for Achal. And so I don't know if that's his posh, detached house accent. <laughs> they even sneeze never, better than the, than the comic. I've never heard anyone say Achal before. So if you're, right? a, if you're posh, semi-detached with a color television set in the drawing room, let us know how you sneeze. <laughs> uh, Mr. Rumble limps in from his holidays. He hasn't had a haircut in a long time. He's got, you know, really, really shaggy, um, you know, Paul McCartney hair. Um, he turns out that he was in Skegness for his holidays. So that's a little town on the East Coast in Lincolnshire, uh, about three hours drive from London. It has a reputation as a low quality resort. Like it's called Skeg Vegas as one of its nicknames. Okay. Um, and it was very heavily featured in another uh, British TV show that I like uh, called Adrian Mole uh, and the novel series as well. Oh, your favorite, yeah. Um, yeah, where um, the, the the family takes a camping holiday in Skegness, and uh, the 14-year-old protagonist tries to invite his girlfriend, who says, darling, I would follow you into hell, but I draw the line at Skegness. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Which cracks me up, right? If you were from Skegness, we apologize. Um, Miss Brahms went for elocution and deportment lessons, lessons on her holiday. What happened to your hair on your head? Your hair on your head. <laughs> So cute. <laughs> she turns on this really, uh, really, really posh accent. And, you know, the, the Captain Peacock says, well, you know, the effects are remarkable, but why did you decide to do it? 
I heard my voice on the tapes and I didn't half sound dead common. <laughs> so you could take the girl out of Dockland, but you can't take the Dockland out of the girl, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it was cute. And um, I love it how she later is trying to like serve a customer and the customer oh, thinks... Oh, and offends her. Oh, it's like, how dare you try to imitate me? Which I guess is a high insult to some people. I don't know. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Mrs. Slocum has been in Costa Blanca, the real one. Okay. Um, that's where actually where Benidorm is. And she comes in with this um, nose protector on because she got a sunburn. And uh, Miss Prom says in her posh accent, I've never seen such a whopping conk. <laughs> um, I didn't know that conk was slang for nose. Um, and oh. it's not because of the of the um, seashell uh, or the sea animal. That's what I thought, yeah. But but because there's a mushroom called a conch, C-O-N-K, and the idea is that your mu- nose looks like a mushroom. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and finally, the star of the show, Mr. Humphreys, comes in wearing this salmon-colored leisure <gasps> suit with big white floral prints. I have to own it. If someone wants to make me a custom suit, that is the suit I must have. With the hat. Is that good? Is that going to be your costume change for day three of the Are You Being Served convention? I have a lot of lists. I have a list of <laughs> costumes um, that no one can copy uh, growing every, yeah. every, every season. <laughs> uh, and he, he took his holidays on the island of Guernsey, which is in the English Channel near Normandy, so very close to, um, to France. And that's just known as um, you know, just a, a dependency, not really resorty, uh, you know, people kind of go there more for local culture or just kind of like be remote. Yeah, it seems like everyone, yeah. I mean, you know, Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas both went to kind of places that weren't as super nice as they could have been. I don't know. But um, I did love it when <laughs> when Mrs. Slocum uh, said she went to, to Spain and, you know, you know, the reputation of the Spanish and they bought him pinch all the time. <laughs> and she said, and then, was it true? Was it true? No, none of it. And she walks away all annoyed. <laughs> all dejected and disappointed. But of course, if you go back to the film, Mrs. Slocum had a bit of something-something because of her directoire knickers saving the day. But you have to go watch the film and the podcast about it if you don't know what that means. Yeah. So Mr. Rumbold calls everyone over for a small announcement to introduce Mr. Tebbs, who's going to be taking over... For Mr. Granger, since Mr. Humphreys was too young. Disappointed, but flattered. But flattered. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to meet Mr. Percival Tebbs, uh, who is played by James Hader, mm-hmm. uh, who is best known for playing Friar Tuck in the Robin Hood movies from the 1950s. Oh, okay. I don't but, know that one, but um, I like the way he has, he has a very distinctive voice. So I think it sounds to me like if you were an audience of the show originally in 60, uh, 78, you'd be like, oh, I know that guy. Right. So you may not know, if you don't know him from the Robin Hood movies, then what you might also know him from is he was the spokesperson for Mr. Kipling's Cakes, which we've talked about at length on this um, podcast nauseam. because they make the, uh, the Bakewell tart. Um, and so he, Mr. Tebbs only lasted one season because Mr. Kipling's Cakes didn't like him playing such an unpleasant character. You know, as the season goes on, he gets to be a little gruff and, uh, and brusque. And so they offered him three times as much money as he was getting from Croft and Lloyd, and he quit to go back to 
shilling cakes. Yeah, it's funny. So this is, again, a hat tip to Podnose. Um, thank you. And we had a, a listener of the show on Twitter point us to their podcast saying, hey, by the way, did you know that Mr. Uh, Mr. Tebbs was a Mr. Kipling spokesperson, blah, blah, blah. So thanks for connecting us to that. Um, but it's insane that, you know, there was on their podcast about Are You Being Served on the uh, Podnose show, um, they go into the fallacy that all of the senior salespeople kept passing away. Right. Arthur Bruff did, but um, uh, James Hader did not. And it's insane that he, <laughs> the character on Are You Being Served seemed to be so antithetical to the lovable old uncular figure. Avuncular, avuncular yeah. figure, like an uncle, um, that Mr. Kipling's was cultivating as he was the, you know, the lovely... Uh, 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 you know, spokesperson that we're going to pay you. We're going to pay you not to be that character because it's sullying our brand. <laughs> um, so if you, go, I'm going to go to the Facebook page and find the advertisement where you can hear Mr. Tabs over uh, announcing on a you know a cherry bakewell tart from Mr. Kipling, and he's he sounds really sweet, like a nice, almost like a Santa Claus Father Christmas figure. And I can kind of see where they didn't want... Ho, 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 little boy. <laughs> Have I got something well, for you? Well, maybe not that much. But yeah, it was, <laughs> I'm sure to, to British audiences, it was like, oh my God, it's Mr. Kipling's. If you're of a certain age and you remember those. But yeah, it was kind of a cool like Venn diagram overlap because of my love of those little cakes. And he was the spokesperson. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they break and they get to set up for the day and uh, Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas take their usual positions by the counter. And Mr. Tebbs, oh, oh no, 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 that won't do at all. And so he rearranges them where Mr. Tebbs is farthest from the lifts. So I don't understand how he's going to get first crack at customers if he's so far away. Yeah, it's it's like it's almost like he's just throwing his rather rotund weight around to <laughs> to in, to ensure that he's seen as the as the boss. I don't know. Yeah, we we don't know how that plays out because I don't think we see a single customer on the gentleman side the entire episode. You know, sales, they say it's important, but I'm never really convinced that they really are conversing about it. 32 pence for a pair of strums. Strums, that's, right? that's all they've ever sold. Um, so over on the women's counter, Miss Brahms is serving, trying to serve her posh customer. Um, <laughs> oh, a frightfully nice one in brown for round and round five pounds. For br- in brown, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so the, she she gives it up, right? And so Miss Brahms is asking, well, how'd she know I wasn't one of her? Well, well the quality don't wear their bosoms up around their neck, right? <laughs> and so Miss Brahms is like, well, hang on. There's been plenty of records of uh, royalty and posh people marrying common. Well, common, but not dead common. Oh, snap. Right. And it's also I, I still it, I cringe when they refer to the upper class as qu- the quality. Qu- the the quality, just, ooh, yeah. So, so weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, action pans over to the gentleman's counter, and Mr. Tebbs is upset with Mr. Lucas's pocket square and teaches him how to flute. Now we've already had this bit twice already, right? Mr. Captain Peacock showed him how to flute in the pilot, and showed him how to flute again in Diamonds Are a Man's Best Friend. How many times are they going to run this unfunny bit into the ground? Well, we the, see an- the-, the answer to this podcast trivia question apparently is three. <laughs> 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 but, you know, if you think back then in the 70s, they didn't have VCRs. I mean, maybe like one or two people did. But 
That's a joke true. from he, four years ago. You don't remember, you know. And they didn't. They didn't have reruns either. So. Oh yeah, there you go. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so later on in the canteen, Peacock has come up from the boardroom, and uh, he's found out that there's going to be a royal visit to the borough uh, on Thayer Street, right past the main entrance. So okay, so we finally get a true location about where the store really is. Right, we had originally thought that it was. Uh, based on Simpsons of Piccadilly, so it was in Piccadilly Circus, but it's not. It's on Thayer Street, which is in Marylebone, which is a neighborhood in Westminster. And so the closest tube stops to that back in the day would have been the Baker Street on the Metropolitan Bakerloo and Circle Lines, and today the Jubilee Line stops there as well. So the the, the center of gravity of the show has shifted a little bit further west. Huh. From where we thought it was. Okay, well, that's that's. I, they did say Theater Street, and I thought, ooh, I bet just Jeff's going to know exactly where Grace <laughs> Brothers was, and here you are. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Well, of course, you know we have had a queen here before, <laughs> and everyone looks at. <laughs> and Mr. then Mr. Humphreys looks at him, was like, "Exactly what are you inferring, Mr. Uh, Cup and Peacock?" <laughs> so, in actuality, Queen Mary had been to the store. She was accompanying King George V as part of the Jubilee celebrations. Back in 1935, that's when um, a king or a queen has been um, on the throne for 25 years. So King George V is Queen Elizabeth II's father. No. So King George V is father to Edward VIII, Uh. who only lasted a year because he wanted to marry an American twice divorcee. Uh, Much like Prince Harry, I thought they were so. Br- I thought that was her uncle, but so it gets complicated, doesn't it? Edward the F- Edward the Eighth abdicated the throne to his brother, mm-hmm. who was Queen Elizabeth's father. Yes. So, King George the Fifth would have been her grandfather. Oh, okay. See, we just figured that, that out. That's oh. simple family tree dynamics, right there, people. <laughs> but I can't I can't do it in my head, so thanks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, oh, here's the joke. This is where the joke is about um, uh, maybe ch- uh, Charles would come by and take an interest in Miss Brobs, right? Because this is 1978. Right, right, right. And right. Um, at that time, um, he was just, bare, just dating Diana, right? They had met in November 1977 when she was just 16 years old. Um, they got engaged in February 1981 when she was 19, and she wasn't, you know, she was she wasn't royalty, but she also wasn't common because her father was a viscount. So she was what you would call the quality. The quality. Right? She was posh. It was kind right? of cool to hear that joke, or not a, not a joke, just kind of a comment, really, like, oh, maybe maybe uh, Prince Charles will come in and take an interest in Miss Brahms. Ha ha ha. Well, then you instantly knew that was before Diana hit the world, and of course we're all watching The Crown season. 94 whatever um, <laughs> where we're learning like the ins and outs of diana and all of that crazy in michigas but um yeah. yeah it's kind of a cool little overlap again yep yeah. so uh captain peacock suggests that they all stay behind late in order to make sure they lo- learn the royal protocol when to bow when to curtsy where to stand etc because if if you're in the presence of the queen there are certain things you just have to do because that's the way it is it's good to know how to behave around a queen <laughs> so uh, why don't we take a tea break down in the canteen? Yeah, for some reason I'm fancying a fairy cake or two. I don't know why, but we'll be right now, back. Now, what exactly are you implying? <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick trip to the canteen. 
Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. All right, well, hey, my, uh, my, my fairy cakes were delicious. How about your tea, uh, Jeff? What did you have? My, my fairy cakes were a little bit dry. Well, that happens to the best <laughs> of us. Oh, well, at least the manageress wasn't there. That's true. When do we get to see her? When does she come back? I feel like the next time that she comes back is when they have to, um, uh, when they have to make lunch for everyone. And oh, that's one of the best ones. And so who is it? Who is it that's operating the till? Is that Mr. Tebbs? Is he the one that's operating the till? Because I don't think it's Mr. Grossman or Mr. Klein. Um, no, you know what? It is Mr. Grossman because he speaks frog. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. So it's going to be a while before we get there. Yeah. When, uh, when's the episode with Italian Tony? Because isn't she in that one, too? I have to mention the graphic um, because you mentioned Italian Tony, which is so stupid. Um, so Dean, shout out to Mr. Dean, who has liked our page. And I found him on a uh, uh, an Are You Being Served um, Facebook page. Um, <laughs> he made this really cute uh, graphic of, I think he took like, I don't know, like Chanel number no. five bottles or something and made like his <laughs> and hers with Mr. Humphreys as his, and it's him as Italian Tony. <laughs> and then hers, it's him as Fifi La Femme or something. One of his his outfits where he dresses up as a woman. Fifi and La Femme. It's so cool. And he's like, I forgot what it says on the graphic, but I messaged him like, that is really cool. Um, can we use it for our Facebook page? He's like, sure, go ahead. So thank you, Dean. That was very funny. Awesome. Awesome job. Thank you, Dean. <laughs> so as is usual, uh, Mr. Humphreys is in charge of choreographing the whole welcome, right? Because that's what he does, right? So he just decides to have everyone stand in line of seniority and is going to give them a polite golf clap, right? Really simple, right? Yes. So we need someone to stand in for the queen and her um, prince consort. Whoever and would so it be? Whoever, the most senior people obviously are doing it. So Captain Peacock and Mrs. Slocum come. He is in full regimental you know, dre- dress blues, and she's wearing a pink Chanel style suit because it's certainly made of polyester and it's not of real course. Chanel. Right. But it's made to dress up you know, in, in the style of the queen. And so... Uh, they they come out of the lift and everyone applauds. And wait, no, Miss Harbin's got to roll out the red carpet, right? Because that's just one of the things you have to do along with bowing and curtsying. So 
Um, do you know why the red carpet is a thing that exists? Ooh, trivia. Um, How far back do you think it goes? Medieval times to distract from the blood on soldiers' feet. Ooh, that's a really good guess. And is it the right that one? That is a really, it is not the right Shit. one. We're going to go back way, way, way for that. It actually comes from Greek mythology, right? Oh, okay. So um, Agamemnon, uh, he was, he fought at Troy in order to avenge his sister-in-law Helen's kidnapping. Helen of Troy, heard of her? <laughs> so when Agamemnon comes back, his wife Clytemnestra offers him crimson tapestries and silk to walk on. And he is um, trepidatious to do so because only gods trod such luxury. Um, Clytemnestra is Electra's mother. But who is trepidatious? I don't understand. (laughs) Good, good Thank you, thank you. Really, really good one. I get a ding. (laughs) Um, Okay, so it's like only gods get to walk on red crimson tapestries and silk because that was like the the most expensive rare thing back then right. so it's so agamemnon wow. was the first mortal to do that when you know after he um freed helen from troy um huh. and for you anglophiles who are listening clytemnestra is one of patsy stone's middle names from absolutely fabulous well i could i named the child eurydice bathsheba clytemnestra uh, Bathsheba, Rabelais, Patricia Cocteau Stone, something Stone. like that. Stone! <laughs> um, so they have to go back and, and redo the bit because Harmon hasn't rolled out the red carpet. The second time they go to do it, Captain Peacock's sword gets stuck in the lift behind him, so he has to undo the belt, revealing that he's wearing teal-colored Y-fronts. You're wearing Grace Brothers Y-fronts! <laughs> Uh, Mr. Grace comes in because he's going to give a speech. And so <laughs> Mr. Humphreys has to rummage through his pockets to find the speech. He's got, first of all, he's got his gas bill in there. And then he's got a calling card for Fifi La Femme, ring the top bell and go to the third floor. Ooh. It's funny because so, I, called, I called Mr. Humphreys Fifi La Femme. <laughs> Fifi La Femme but that's actually a person in this episode. That's why it was in my head. That's funny. And I love how Mr. Grace like yanks it from whoever's reading <laughs> Reading the notes and no one knows what it is. Uh, so, so do you think that's his like psychic or his osteopath? What do you think? What services does Fifi Le Femme provide? It could be his yacht um, conduct yacht yachts person because it keeps going <laughs> up and down, up and down. His coxswain. Uh, we are explicitly rated. You can say that if you want. <laughs> uh, so uh, their rehearsal gets interrupted by a phone call from Mr. Humphrey's mother, as always. Mm. And so they try one more time, and Mr. Lucas decides to jump into a genuflecting position as if he's doing a stunt on the main stage of RuPaul's Drag Race, right? Genuflecting is an over-exaggerated gesture of humility towards someone. Right. So if you think about when Catholics enter church, uh, as soon as they get to the pew, they kind of kneel down on one knee but halfway but get up right away. That's called genuflecting. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Mr. Rumble bows, but he still has the plaster on, which is going to be offensive. So they put a toupee on his head. Uh, it falls off when he bows, and so they have to fix it in place with a garter. And now it looks like he's got the mumps. <laughs> <laughs> so. I thought that was a kind of a cheap joke, but eh, you know, it's a comedy. Yeah. You gotta, you don't win them every time. I think. Yeah, so the rehearsal goes on, and then all of a sudden, Mr. Harmon comes in to inter- interrupt. Well, they're locking this door. You've got 30 seconds to get out. And everybody just makes a run for it. 
<laughs> yeah, they don't want to be weird. locked in the store overnight. And they left poor Mr. Gr- oh, young Mr. Grace there all by Taking himself. Taking a nap, snoozing. Oh, no. Yeah. I will say I love that scene when he was trying to um, like read his little p- speech. And it's such a simple speech. It's like, I'd like to welcome you on behalf of the store to, to the store. Or something to the to the. I, I'd like to welcome you to the gentleman's department, and it's such a short speech that right. he has to have it written down. So cute, and he's like looking very, very meager. He looks like he'd be he's about like ninety pounds soaking wet in this scene. And, and he doesn't have his glasses, so he just makes it something, 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 something. Turns the card over, something, something, and that is a very <laughs> quotable. Are you being served? Thing. Where like something, 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 something. <laughs> Might do that with my friend Jimmy a lot. So the next day is the big day of where they're going to, you know, supposedly get the royal visit. Mm. And there's bunting and flags everywhere, and all the stra- staff are dressed formally, right? Very the men smart, are wearing right? the men are wearing morning suits, which you usually only wear to a wedding. Wedding, ten thirty. Wedding, Harry. hurry! Oh, I'll be late. Um, and the ladies are wearing formal dress and opera gloves. Because, <laughs> you know, that's what you do at work. Because that's what you do at work, right. When you're at work at a shop in a department store. Miss Brahms is wearing this huge tiara, which spells GB in whatever synthetic crystals or jewelry synthetic she's got. Synthetic crystals. <laughs> and Mrs. Slocum comes in wearing this huge sash that says supervisor. <laughs> like she just won a Monopoly beauty contest. Oh, my God. Because she had to distinguish herself from her junior. I don't want to be confused with my junior. Right. So Mr. Harmon is listening to the BBC radio <laughs> broadcast of the parade uh, on earphones. And he's narrating the color commentary for everyone so they can hear. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the royal couple is stopped in the window of Lallian Willets, which oh, is just across hiss, the street. Hiss. Boo, hiss, right? Of course, we know what that means, don't we? Lallian Willets is a cockney rhyming slang joke, I guess. Which one's. Uh, no, it's Polari. Polari. Um, legs and breasts, or breasts and legs. I forget which is and which. And it's funny because they made their competitor, Lallian Willets, like a very, very London centric sexual joke. And yeah. There you go. Uh, we Americans were like, we don't. Is there really? I, I wonder how many Americans who watch are being served. Okay, if you're in the if you're in London, let us know. How many Americans have you encountered wandering the streets of London saying, "Does anyone know where Lally and Willis is? <laughs> I've heard about this place. Is, did they go out of business in the '90s? Anyone? Anyone? Could you imagine going to Bond Street or German Street and just walking up to someone and be like, excuse me, where, where are Lally and – or where can I find Lally and Willits? <laughs> I wonder if – I mean do people over there nowadays, do they still use word like Lally and Willits? Will they – like the new generation, would they instantly know what that means, I wonder? So I, I'm in London or before the pandemic, I was in London several times a year. I consider myself – an above average Anglophile. I, I think I've got my arms around quite a bit of Cockney rhyming slang and Polari. Consensually, though. Thank you. <laughs> Consensually. Good one. Mm. Um, I had never picked <laughs> up from the show that Lally and Willis were slang terms and didn't know, hadn't heard them in context until we were doing the research for when it was first mentioned. Yeah. For the, take, for the, the takeover? Is it the takeover uh, that was doing it? They're a Bristol firm, aren't they? So maybe well, never yeah, mind where they hang out. Yeah, uh, I mean we're we're two nerds like who dive into this stuff, and all of you listening are probably nerds too. So it's a love fest. Yeah. So <laughs> they're listening to the the 
Mr. Armin takes the the, ear, the earphones out, and so they're hearing that they're on the street, and they realize, oh, they could see out the window from Mr. Rumble's office. So they all rush in, and they're all hanging out the window, looking and waving at the people on the street. Uh, and we hear the BBC commentator. They're standing in front of Grace Brothers Department Store. They're deciding whether they should go in. Prince Philip nods, etc. Yep. And so they're getting more and more excited because they're going to come into the store, possibly up to their department. Uh, they're in a very popular department. It makes sense that they would stop by um, clothing, right? If, yeah. you're in so- if you're in soft furnishings or bathroom fittings, they're not going to come visit you. Well, but- you know, I heard that one, about a couple of years ago, someone sold seven lavatories in one day. <laughs> I mean... It's still talked about to this day. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> and- oh, God. In her excitement, Mrs. Slocum leans too far out the window and knocks a potted plant off the ledge, which barely misses Prince Philip. <gasps> and so the royal party, the royal party, run into a car and they drive away, leaving the crowd behind them. And everyone, the entire staff, looks so crestfallen Aww. because, due to this accident, they know that it's not going to happen, and they've missed probably their chance to be face to face with the queen. That's sad. You know, it's, I think one of the things that maybe why I personally love the UK so much being an American is we don't have that, you know, oh my God, the queen, I saw the queen, the queen is in our town. Oh my God, Prince Philip or Prince Charles is is in my county, da, da, da. We don't have that. Like, you know, like the president might show up somewhere, but eh, they don't make house calls, let's say. Princess Princess Catherine, Kate Middleton. Mm. Went to Sainsbury's today, and it was all over the news. That's so cool. It's I'm just I'm a little bit jealous of the of the folks over in the UK that can not really rub shoulders with them, but you know I'm I'm sure see them out in the wild. Yeah, from yeah, time to time, that'd be yeah. kind of cool. But um, oh well. What you know what do? else is really sad, Brandon? When you rip the wallpaper and you have to save that little bit for above the door. Well, there's always a lot above the door to be saved. <laughs> so that's right, because uh, next week we have The Club, where... Um, the Pudding Club? <laughs> I haven't spoken to her in years. Um, no, The Club, the episode, The Club, uh, silly Mr. Jeff. Uh, no, it's the one where they go and redecorate the social club, which is in some mucky basement floor, and it's the silliest thing ever. Um, but it's a lot of... Um, like Laurel and Hardy and Three Stooges comedy. That's exactly the way to describe it's it. It's yeah. really cute, and everyone wears. It's basically like a food fight, and you see Mr. Tebbs wearing a, a baseball hat, and oh, it's so much fun. It's probably one of the best ones. So this, we're kind of in the the groove in the show with these episodes these days. Yeah, a lot of visual gags that would be great to talk about on a podcast. <laughs> and then they did, and then they did, and it was funny. Oh, but then they did that. So there you go. So, Mr. Brandon, if our super vans have any questions or comments for us or they want to tell us about uh, their favorite flavor of Humphrey Slocum ice cream, how can they get in touch with us? Should we petition Humphrey Slocum to um, name a flavor after the podcast? (gasps) That does suit Madam. That does suit Madam. It's a great great ice cream name flavor. Cross promotional. Just throw that out there. What flavor would it be, though? Oh, it would have to have something to do with Humphrey's and Slocum. Um, well, they could call. They could do if they did like a cake batter flavored ice cream. They could call it fairy cakes. Ooh, well, no, they have to name it after our our, our brand, our uh, our podcast. Um, what what flavor would remind us of Mrs. Slocum? Um, well, Other something than cat pro- food. like like a, <laughs> <ew>. <laughs> like a rainbow sherbet because of her hair. 
Oh, and then that would also be Mr. Humphreys too. Oh, that's perfect. Okay, so Humphrey Slocum, if you're listening. Jake, Sean, if you're listening, please name an ice cream flavor after us. And they're lovely social media <laughs> people as well. Um, yeah, so if you want to get in touch with us and tell us how you're joining the fight to have a ice cream named after the podcast, <laughs> um, you can find us on Facebook at That Does Suit Madam. Twitter is Does Suit Madam. Hello to the Twitter people. You can also write us an email at That Does Suit Madam with an E at gmail.com. And you can leave us a message on the Peacock hotline. That is 662-PEACOCK, 662-732-265. And if you're not in the States, you can always record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us as well. So with that, Jeff, I think we should say, as we always do, you've all, you've all done, done very well. Bye, Bye listeners. That does it, madam, is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? If rash, irritation, redness, or swelling develops, discontinue use. Ew.